You know, you ever put something together and all the parts are not lining up or maybe you put something together and you flip the switch and it doesn't come on uh, and you realize you didn't do something right? Anybody? Okay, maybe nobody else has done something wrong like that, but I have. And you look on the back and they have this 1-800 number and it says help desk. And you do what most men do not want to do. You call it. And you say, look, this thing's not working. You must have sent me the wrong parts, right? And then they convince you that, no, it was actually you. Aren't you glad as Christians we have a help desk and his name is God? We can call him 24 hours a day. And boy, I tell you, I need it more often than not. Find times in my life where I'm not what I need to be, what I should be. And I'm thankful that he's there and he's 24 hours. Aren't you glad? He doesn't sleep. I'm glad. A lot of my problems happen at night. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I can get a hold of him. Good to see you here tonight for our Sunday night service, our, our Faith Promise uh, Sunday. I hope you've already gotten your cards in. If not, we'll be doing them again tonight. I have the offering plates uh, there at the back door. Be sure to get those in. I'm excited about what God wants to do with our missions and pray uh, that you're locked and loaded, ready to go with what God wants you to do as well. 2 Kings chapter 5 tonight. We're going to be turning there. Second <clears throat> Kings chapter number 5. In case you're wondering, yes, Moses had his staff at the Red Sea. My daughter caught me this afternoon, and she says, Dad, you said twice he didn't have his staff at the Red Sea. I says, I know I did. When I got back to the office, it's one of those things that stick in your head. He didn't have his staff at all of the plagues, but he did have them at the Red Sea. And the one time my daughter was awake to hear what I was saying while I was preaching, uh, she says, Dad, you missed that. She's kind of that uh, stenographer, you know, who's sitting there keeping up notes. said, Dad, you said he didn't have the Red Sea. I said, I know. Exodus 14, he had it. Exodus 7 and 8, it's not always Moses who has it. The Bible says it's Aaron. But uh, it's one of those things, once you say it wrong the first time, you, you just kind of stuck in your head, your snake bit, kind of like the word irregardless. Yep, we all say it, don't we? Or expresso. You know, you say it wrong for so long, you just keep repeating it. So, yes, do not call Miss Pam in the morning. I need to meet with Pastor. He was preaching heresy Sunday morning, saying that Moses did not have his staff. I knew it was coming. John Lapone came in the office this afternoon and says, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, Moses had his staff at the Red Sea. He says, huh? I said, yes, I know I said it wrong. He said, I didn't even notice. He was asleep, too. He didn't even notice it either. 2 Kings chapter 5, boy, I tell you, we are human. I am human, and I apologize on that one, but uh, sometimes my tongue gets ahead of my, my brain, and uh, I just cut some of you off from catching me after the service. Ha, ha. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit about Naaman tonight. Remain seated if you don't mind. We're going to continue our study on finding the how to our now, just kind of a practical Bible study series as we look at some practical ways to practice uh, what our now, our need, our opportunity, and our work is. Our banner's gone. I'm pointing to something that's not there. I am definitely losing my mind today. And we're looking at Naaman tonight. We look at a different character each time on this series, trying to see how they fulfill the will of God, uh, in particular places in their life, and they all serve as a pattern for us to follow. Uh, if Naaman could find his now, what God's will was for his life, and fulfill it, perhaps some of us tonight need to follow his path in finding that, and I'm going to raise my hand and say I'm the first one that needs to follow Naaman. The Bible says, verse 1, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, and with his master, an honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. 
And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Stop right there. I want you to notice after the word Samaria, there's an exclamation point. There was this young maid who had been taken captive, and yet she was still enthusiastic to help. Take note of that as we as Christians are in difficult circumstances in this world right now, oppressed by the world, and yet here is she enthusiastic to help. So should we this afternoon. Look down to verse number four. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the the maid, and this is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Now we're going to skip over the reading of the letter. Let's get on down to where Elisha now hears about what's going on in verse 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all waters in Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this example, Father, of your goodness and of your grace. And Father, how I need that tonight, and I'm sure there's some others tonight who need grace as well. And help us see, Father, how we as Naaman, uh, Lord, can follow this path of obedience to find, Lord, what you desire for us to have to fulfill the need, the opportunity, and the work for which you left us here to do. I pray that, Lord, you'd show me my needs tonight. Help me be obedient to respond and help your will be done. I pray in this service, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could sum up Naaman tonight for you, uh, I would sum it up as a very human beneficiary of the grace of God. Naaman was very human. All right? Uh, We read about some people in Scripture, and sometimes they seem almost super spiritual rather than human. Uh, Those are ones we don't like to read after often because we're thinking, you know what, I'm not on the level with them. But it's nice to run across every once in a while in Scripture someone who is a beneficiary of the grace of God who was very, very human. And we study out name and we find that almost in spite of himself... He was a recipient of the grace of God, and the will of God was fulfilled in his life. I can bear witness to that, that oftentimes in my own life, in spite of myself, I am a recipient of the grace of God, and oftentimes the will of God is fulfilled in my life, even when sometimes I went kicking and screaming 
has God ever led you to do or to be something? And yet we were very resistant of it, maybe even like Naaman in verse 12, went away in rage, not wanting to do what God had prescribed us to do, and yet ultimately ended up doing it, and yet were recipients of the grace of God all the same. Now tonight, we're going to see the will of God, just for a few minutes, the will of God fulfilled in the life of Naaman. That's what our desire is, it right? To find our now, to fulfill our now, ask the question, what is our now? What is the need, the opportunity, and the work that God has left us here to do? We're going to follow Naaman, and I'll promise you, maybe not regularly, and maybe not even something that you'll do two or three times in your life, but I will promise you, there are going to be times in your life where finding and fulfilling God's will for your life is going to follow a similar path as Naaman's. It's not going to be as easy as maybe we would like. Now, so the first thing tonight we're going to look at is the need. We know in all three of these, uh, all of these examples, there's a need, there's an opportunity, and there's a work to accomplish in order to fulfill the will of God. Let's look at the need right off the bat if we could. Now, you look up to verse number one, you say, well, the need is very obvious. The need is very obvious. He has leprosy. You notice the last part of verse 1. But he was a leper. Now, I need you to look a little bit further tonight because you think about Naaman when you look at verse number 1. The Bible says that he was a good guy. Uh, the Bible says that he had been used of the Lord to bring deliverance. All right, Naaman was used to being a deliverer. Naaman was used to delivering people from needs, not having one himself. That's why the need in Naaman's life is one of the hardest to fill. Notice, number one tonight, the need, it was personal. The need was personal. Now hear me out, if you will. Oftentimes, Naaman was called upon to go meet the needs of others. Yet in this case here, here's the great man, the leader, the captain, the one who had been used to meet needs, and yet now Naaman has a need all his own. All right, now this is important. Why? It's much easier for us, and it comes natural for all of us tonight, to recognize the needs in other people's lives, is it not? All right? I can see something on your face, and you can see something on my face, but it's hard for us often to see stuff on our face, right? From time to time, my wife will come up to me and say, hey, you got a little piece of something right there. And I'm like, what? You know, I've been walking around church all morning, and I had this green piece of whatever stuck to my teeth, you know. They probably thought it was, you know, red man chewing tobacco before I came over back there in the office. I didn't see it. Why? It's not natural for us to see the needs in our own life, and yet here's naming a man who's used to delivering people from needs, and yet he has one in his own life. Now, this is important. If we desire to find our now, fulfill our now, God's will for our life right now, we have to be willing tonight to see the personal needs we have in our own life. And I want you to know that's not a comfortable position to be in. My wife told me, I don't know, it was a few days ago, a few weeks ago, that something was on my teeth. Oh, my goodness, I was so embarrassed. I wanted to run in the back and go and check it out and make sure. Oh, my goodness, it didn't make me feel good. But I'll tell you, the need was the need. And tonight, if you and I are going to fulfill God's will for our life, we have to be willing to recognize that oftentimes the needs we have are personal. Don't be like Adam. What did he say? God comes to Adam and he says, there's a need that's here. He says, yep, it's that woman you gave me. There's the need. Amen. You, all you husbands that amen, you're in trouble tonight. You go out to Topher's, all right? They're open late. Get you a burger. You're not going to get fixed supper tonight. 
He said, yeah, there's the need right there. It's not me. But I'll tell you, Adam's need was just as great as Eve's need. But he was naturally inclined to recognize that need in someone else's life. The Pharisees were guilty of this. The Pharisees were very good about finding the need without recognizing their own need. Now, folks, I'm a pastor. I can be just as guilty. It's my job to preach needs. But sometimes we have to turn that mirror around on ourselves and see we have the same needs in our own life. That's what Jesus was speaking about in Matthew 7. What did he say? He says, you go to your brother and you point out the moat that is in his eye. What is the moat? It's a speck. A speck. But oftentimes I neglect the beam that's in my own eye. Now, folks, this is important. Understand Naaman's going to be no good to others if he doesn't have the needs met of himself. It's the same for you and I. If we do not make sure that our personal needs that we have in our life, our shortcomings in our life, if we don't make sure that those needs are attended to, we're going to be no good to anybody else. We're going to have this beam sticking out of our eye while we go to the world and point out the specks that's in the world's eye. Now, folks, listen to me. God desires to use us, and he wants to use us. But until we recognize our own need I hate to say it tonight, we're not going to be much use to anybody. Give some examples real quick. Before Nehemiah built, you know what he said? I and my father's house have sinned. I and my father's house have sinned. Nehemiah recognized, hey, there's a great work to do, and I want God to fulfill my life, but I've got to recognize the need in my own life. And Nehemiah says, I've been just as much a part of the problem as the people that we're going to rebuild in the light of Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah, Nehemiah says, I have just as much a need in my own life. Think about it this way. Isaiah chapter 6, what did he say? Woe is you. No, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. I've told some of our, our, our staff here and my wife. I've told, I've told a lot of folks in counseling, marriage counseling and whatnot. Me and my wife will get in a spat, and buddy, it is, it's rough. She's smart. She can outfox me in an argument. Gosh, I didn't realize, you know, she was laying a trap two or three statements ahead, and I walked right into it, and I, oh, I see where you're going, and she got me. And boy, we'll get in an argument together, and we'll be throwing stuff back and forth at each other, and then after a while, I think it's good. I'll get alone, go alone by myself, and I'll sit there and let the Holy Spirit sort out the mess that I've made. I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, I just need you to confirm in my heart that I was right and she was wrong. You don't do that because you're probably more spiritual than I am. And I'll sit there and all of a sudden something hurts. I'm like, what was that? He's like, well, here's where you were wrong, Pastor. Here's where you were wrong, husband. I'm like, what? But you know, she said this and all of that and all of that. And Lord, I'm trying to help my wife, she needs help. She's my wife. She needs a lot of help, a lot of prayer. And he says, I'm trying to show you your need. I'm trying to show you something that you need to fix. Why? I'm no good to you if I don't see that I meet the needs that I have in my heart and the shortcomings in my life. Psalms 139, was the Bible say? David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Notice David wants to find those personal needs that are in his life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, if my sinfulness appears to me to be in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison with others, 
I am still no longer recognizing my sinfulness at all. If my sinfulness seems less than others, I'm really not even recognizing my sinfulness at all. Why? Because all of our righteousness was as filthy rags. All we like sheep have gone astray. And folks, if we start reflecting on that inside, God search me, we'll see that personal needs that we have. We're on our way to fulfilling the will of God, but as long as we're looking out, how can I fix the world? And rather, how can I fix me? I hate to tell you, we're not going to be very effective. Let me ask you, how effective do you think a leprous Naaman was going to be? You ever seen leprosy? You know what leprosy is all about? It's a horrible, horrible, consuming disease. Read the Old Testament laws that were written. You had to stay away. When you walked through the town, you had to holler, unclean, unclean. It was horrible. How good would a leprous Naaman been to deliver anybody? He couldn't deliver anybody until he had that personal need fixed. So tonight, number one, if we're going to fulfill, find and fulfill our now, God's will for our life, we've got to see the needs that are personal. Let's look at the opportunity. Look down at verse number nine, or verse number eight. The Bible says, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. Key words there, come now to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. So you read the story, verse number 9, Naaman comes, Elijah tells him what to do, Naaman gets wroth, and they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now notice the opportunity, number two tonight, the opportunity needed pursuing. There was an opportunity for him to find grace, but he was going to have to pursue it. Notice, it says, come now to me. Now there's something I believe we get wrong oftentimes, that we, we attribute the fact that grace is free meaning God's just going to drop it on us, okay? The grace of God, the free gift of grace, that no matter where we are in our life, God's going to be gracious and God's going to give us grace. Could I challenge that a little bit tonight? When you read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, and the Bible says that Noah found grace, it doesn't mean he stumbled upon it. Not at all. Read verse 9, Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Do you know what Noah was doing? He was pursuing grace. Oftentimes we desire the grace of God in our life and the grace of God is there. I'm thankful God gives us the opportunity to have grace. But just because the opportunity's there doesn't mean you're not going to have to pursue it. Grace has to be gone after. What does it say? Come now to me. What does the Bible say? Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy. What did Naaman need? Mercy. I need mercy. I need grace. What does the Bible say? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hey, thank God there's grace to be had. Aren't you glad? Thank God there's grace for salvation. Thank God there's grace when we mess up. Thank God there's grace when we come up short. I'm thankful for grace, but it means, listen to me, it doesn't mean we're going to have to sit here and wait on it to come. You better pursue it. Noah, when he was perfect in his generations, walking with God, that's how he found grace not just stumbled upon it like a penny on the sidewalk as we walked down the street. The other day we were, at, um, we were in our car, pulled up in the, into the mailbox, opened our mailbox, and uh, my wife pulled a couple of things out, and she goes, oh, yay. I know usually what that means. 
there's only two or three things that she says that about. Uh, it's not when the visa bill comes in and uh, you know, credit cards and car notes, nothing like that. It's nothing like that. It usually means the Bath and Body Works coupons have hit the mailbox. Those little cards, you know, you ladies are smiling, you know where I'm coming from. Those little cards where you, get, you buy three, get one free, or hey, here's a free thing for your car. Do you know what that means? It's free, okay? It really is because I've gone to pick them up for her before. I'm just that man enough to do that. Go in there, come out smelling like cucumbers and melons and sweet peas, whatever they are. It's free. It's been extended to her. Do you know what those little coupons are? They're opportunities. Hey, here's a free whatever wallflower, wildflower, wallflower. Here's a free one of them for your house or those little clippy things for the visor in your car. Here's a free one. Watch this. That's the opportunity. It's free and it's available. But do you know what those little tags mean in the mailbox? There's a trip to the mall coming. We're going to have to pursue it. We have to go after it. Now look, Naaman's grace was available. The opportunity was there. Thank God when I have a personal need in my life and I have a more than you realize that there's grace to be had, but in order to have the grace, I've got to pursue it. I've got to be willing to go and get it. Thomas Edison said opportunity is often missed by most because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Is that not the truth? You're like, man, I wonder why they have those opportunities. And that guy gets that opportunity, and she gets to be a part of that opportunity. Look, they didn't stumble upon them. They pursued them. People sit back, huh, Noah's lucky. He just stumbled upon grace. How lucky is that? Oh, no. When the rest of the world was defying God and living wickedly, Noah was perfect in his generation, a just man, and he walked with God. He wanted that opportunity of grace that God had provided. Mark chapter 5, we read about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible used some very important words I want you to hear. The Bible says she came nigh to the press. The press. That means it was crowded. That means it wasn't like Jesus was sitting at a meet and greet at Disney World waiting for people to come see him. No, it was a crowd of people in the street. And yet she had a personal need. She had an issue of blood 12 years. She spent all she had and was nothing bettered. She was at rock bottom. And this need was so great, here's what she did. She pursued that grace that she could only find in Christ. Now, can I tell you something tonight? I, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for grace in my life. Weren't for the grace of God. Somebody sang it a while back. Weren't not for grace. Weren't not for grace. I can't tell you where I'd be. I'm thankful grace is available. Every one of us sitting here tonight, no matter where you are in your walk with God, how far you are away from him, there is a sufficient grace for the personal need, but you've got to pursue it. We'll give you a perfect example. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. Now think about this verse. Shall we continue? Now watch this. We're talking about a direction here. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's what he's saying. Do we stay on this course, and can we stay on this course of sin and hope to find grace? God forbid. 
God forbid. There's no way we can continue on this course and have an opportunity of grace. It's not there. It's like uh, going up and down the roads. There's only certain roads that lead to certain places, and there's only certain ways that we lead to God's grace. And if you want to find it, you got to go that way. And it's not in the way of sin. So what do you do? You change course. Shall we continue in this course that we might have grace? God forbid. What is he saying? He says, you're going to have to pursue grace. It's not that way, the way of sin. So we tonight cannot sit idle as is and expect to receive God's grace. Naaman says, well, I'm the captain of the army of Syria. Hey, I'm an honorable man. I'm a good man. I've delivered a lot of people. And yet, what did Elisha say to the great captain? Come now to me. I watched just for a few minutes yesterday. Um, yesterday was the Duke and North Carolina game. North Carolina upset them, Brother Nate. Amen. They did. Shocked me. It was Coach K's last game. Uh, his name is Mike Krzyzewski, but for some odd reason it's spelled with a K. I'm not sure how that works out. Coach K had coached at Duke for 42 years. That's all of my young life. 42 years at Duke. It's his last game. And uh, the tickets started skyrocketing. I saw tickets uh, being auctioned off for $99,000 dollars or auctioned through a charity, $100,000 dollars for a college basketball game. Well, at Duke, what is it called? The Crazies? Cameron Crazies, thank you, the Cameron Crazies, uh, they're just that. They're a student body, about 4,000 people, that they get a free ticket, first come, first serve. So here's this game, tickets are thousands of dollars, celebrities all in the house, all of these 90-something NBA players were there that had played it do. Everybody wants to be a part of that game for Coach K's last game yesterday. Some of the Cameron Crazies, the student body who gets free tickets, camped out in front of the arena starting mid-January. First come, first serve. There were 12 people that could man the tents that were there. One person had to be in the tent the entire time. Okay, one person had to hold the spot. If the tent was was unoccupied, you lost your spot. So since mid-January... These students, now you know why they're called the crazies, they're camped out waiting to get in for this game that they could not afford tickets for or their parents would not buy them tickets for. Mid-January. Do you know what they were doing? They were pursuing something they thought that they needed in their life. And look, I think they're nuts, to be honest with you, but you have to applaud that you got to say, hey, at least there was somebody willing to do some hard work uh, to get what they wanted. Now, folks, if they could do that to be a part of the opportunity of Coach K's last game, how much more should you and I be willing to pursue the grace of God that's going to help us fulfill the will of God in our life? There's grace to be had. Look, I have needs. Oh, do I have needs. There are personal needs in my life, shortcomings in my life, and I need grace. And I'm thinking, God, I need grace. God says, go get it. It's yours to be had. I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight if God were to say, all right, 7 p.m. tonight, God's going to be handing out grace at the front door, but you better get in line early, first come, first serve, only the first hundred people get it. I wonder how early we'd camp out for it. 
wonder how early we camp out for it. Thank God we don't have to camp out for it, right? I think some people think we're giving away because there's people camping out there all the time on our front steps, uh, but I don't think they're camping out for grace, right? Thank God there's grace to be had, but we gotta pursue it. What did he say? Verse number 10, or, or verse number nine. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number eight. I told you, my mind's drifting today. Come now to me. There's grace to be had. There's the opportunity, but you need to pursue it. So number two, the opportunity is needing pursuing. And finally, let's look down tonight at the work, the need, the opportunity, and the work, finding our now. The Bible says, verse 11, but Naaman was wroth. But Naaman was wroth. Isn't that how you feel sometimes when God shows you what you need to do? I am. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, behold, I thought, boy, there's his problem right there. I thought. That's what he gets for thinking, my dad would say. He will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And then he gives a suggestion to the man of God. Are not Aban and Farpar, river of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May, not, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? Look at verse 14. And went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. Now, what was the work here? We see the need, we find the opportunity. What's the work? What did Naaman have to do? What was the hard work? Well, it really goes back to verse 11. The Bible says he was wroth, went away and said, behold, I thought. And then finally, the Bible says in verse 14, he went down. You see, number three, the work was a new perspective. He had to change his mind. He had to change his mind. Now, folks, this is important tonight. The only way he was going to change his condition was to change his mind. So what do you mean? Well, verse number 10, verse number 11, he says, I thought. He says, you know what? This is what I think would work. This is what I think will, will help me get recovered. This is what I thought was going to happen. But no, the man of God says, this is how you're going to have to do things. And he says, you know what? If I want to be healed, if I want to change my condition, I'm going to have to change my mind. Now, folks, tonight I want to tell you something. I'm only 42, but I'm as stubborn as somebody twice my age. You ask my wife, I don't like changing my mind. I don't like thinking different. But if I'm going to obtain the grace, I have to be willing to think the way God does, not the way that I want. And that's hard. Do you know why? What does the Bible say, Proverbs 14, 12? There is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right. You ever, you ever thought you had something pegged and realized you didn't? All the time. There's a way that seems, hey, I thought this was a good idea. The Bible says the end thereof are the ways of death. Do you know what would have happened if Naaman hadn't changed his mind? He would have died. He would have died. Do you know what will happen to us if we don't allow God to show us our personal needs, pursue that grace, and be willing to have a new perspective to think the way God thinks? We will die spiritually. Now, I want you, I want you to see something. Verse number 11, Naaman got it all wrong. Watch this. Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. He didn't. And stand and call on the name of his God 
and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He didn't. Naaman's thinking, I thought he would tell me to go to Albana or Farpar. He didn't. You ever just get it all wrong sometimes? Hey, it's okay to admit that from time to time. Man, I got something wrong. Matter of fact, I heard somebody the other day say this, and I thought, it's so true. I don't mean to be political, but I think it's a fact. It was a note to the president. It says, Dear Mr. President, whatever you're thinking on doing, do the opposite. I thought, yes. Somebody pray for our president. We're responsible to pray for him. It seems like every idea he has uh, is it doesn't turn out well. Just do the opposite. You know, that's great advice for us as humans. Be careful when we devise things. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. We better do the opposite. Why? Because the end thereof are the ways of death. Turn with me real quick. I'm going to hurry. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I told you on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, I was going to do my best this year to get you out on time. Romans chapter 12. I want you to see this in a verse you know very well. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that means I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now watch this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Stop right there. So what's God's desire for us? God's desire is that we be transformed. Aren't you glad when God saves us, he doesn't leave us as is? He desires that we be transformed. How does that happen? Well, I'm glad we ask. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we find that transformation in our life? It starts with a changing of our mind. And boy, that's hard. Why? Because we like to think the way that we want to think. And yet in order to find the grace to fulfill the will of God for our life, as did Naaman did, Naaman had to go from what I thought to what you said. And that's what God wants from all of us. I've got to go from what Jeremiah Andrews thinks to what God says. And it's so hard. You know why? Because I'm partial to myself. You partial to yourself? I am. But I've got to be transformed. How do I do that? It begins with the renewing of your mind. Philippians chapter 2, what does the Bible say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is Paul telling the church at Philippi? Listen, there's got to be a changing of our mind. Oftentimes we miss out on the grace. We miss out on the will of God, just like Naaman. We're going to miss the healing, the restoration that God had planned for him. We're going to, look, Naaman almost missed the opportunity to be a part of a really amazing Bible story. God says, I want to show the rest of the world, all mankind for the rest of all time, what I did in your life. But Naaman had to be obedient to that. And yet God wants to work in our life to be a witness to this world. But it will never be if we don't allow God to changing our mind. Allow God to change our mind. Naaman says, I thought this and I thought that, but I thought wrong. Finally, he says, the Bible says he went down in verse 14. He dipped himself seven times. The Bible says his flesh came as the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You know what that means? Mission accomplished. God accomplished in his life what God desired to do. God wanted to work in Naaman's life right then and right there in that place. That was his now to become a work of God. That's us tonight. God wants to work in our life, in our heart, right here, right now. 
But how do we find that? Well, tonight it may begin like Naaman. It may not be a need that we see in others. It may be a personal need we have in ourselves. It may be a personal need. Tonight, let's not overlook them. Boy, I'm looking at the world, and boy, the world needs more preachers tonight. Amen, the world needs more preachers. The world needs more people to be encouragers. Yes, boy, that's the need the world has. But let's zoom in just a little bit, and let's look in that mirror and say, you know what? I'm no good to the world if I don't see those personal needs in my life. And then we've got to pursue it. Tonight, if there was grace, if there was grace to be had for that personal need that you have, would you be willing to pursue it? If there was grace for it. If God says, I know where you're at, I know the needs you have in your life, and there's grace sufficient for that, would you be willing to pursue it? you got to go after it to find it. Noah found it. Why? He was pursuing it. The need has got to be pursued. And then finally, how do we do that? A new perspective. I say this to a lot of young people. Quit giving yourself bad advice. Do you know why I tell them that? Because I still have a problem with it myself. Advising myself in the way that's not going to lead to grace. I want to find and fulfill my now. So I've got to see the need that's personal. That need needs pursuing in order to have that grace, that opportunity is there. But I've got to pursue it. And it begins with a change of mind. Quit giving God advice, and why don't we just heed his? Our heads are bowed tonight. Our eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed.